You are listening to the Six Figure Freelancer audio course brought to you by Antco from Fiverr. We interview top professionals who share their exact formulas for success in starting, growing, and maintaining a six-figure freelance career. And I'm your host, Juan Felipe Campos. Okay, freelance masterminds, remember, on every episode of the audio course, there's a giveaway of digital goods or resources from our partners that other people don't have access to. To get your audio course resources, subscribe to the audio course on iTunes and then visit and.co slash resources. Again, that's and.co slash resources to access your digital goods. Caitlin Pierce serves as executive director at Freelancers Union, the U.S.'s first and largest organization representing the rights and interests of independent workers. Freelancers Union offers benefits such as health insurance, community hubs in over 25 cities, advocacy, as well as resources to its over 375,000 members. Let's hear more from her on this episode of the Six Figure Freelancer audio course. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. So Caitlin, you definitely know something about getting to six figure that most freelancers don't. You have a strong pulse on the freelancer ecosystem as a whole, and that helps us kind of draw the the atmosphere for what's going on in 2018 with freelancers. So, can you kind of paint a picture at a high level what the state what the state of our growing industry is and then let's dive into how we can actually make sure that we're making our money. Sure. So, you know, Freelancers Union's actually been around since 1995. Um, and so, you know, the organization has been around way back when freelancing was really thought of as being more of a euphemism for being unemployed or being, you know, between work or having to really think about what you're going to tell your parents on the holidays that you do for a living. Um, these days, you know, freelancing has become a lot more mainstream. Um, we do an annual study where we found that 57 million Americans are freelancing, so just over a third of the workforce, and that has grown year over year for the past five years. Um, based on the research, what we predict is that within the next 10 years, the majority of the workforce is going to be freelancing. And what we find is that can be people that are doing freelancing full time as their, as their sole means of earning income. Uh, people can be freelancing uh, and mixing it with part-time work or other business streams of income, um, or they can be moonlighting on top of work they already have, either because they're freelancing around work they're really passionate about, or um, they're figuring out a way to slowly break into freelancing. Um, but the thing that wow. we've seen wow. is that, um, the, you know, overall across all industries, freelancing's really growing across the economic spectrum more people are choosing to do it full time as their primary source of income. And the amount of people that are doing it and earning over $75,000 annually is also growing. So more people are finding ways to really earn a sustainable and comfortable income as a freelancer. That's amazing. And are you finding this trend to be true around the world or is it typically just here in North America or what is that like? It's a good question. Our research focuses on the U.S., Okay. Um, though we've certainly seen the growth of freelancing uh, around the world. Um, and, uh, it's really happened, I would say, sort of in a similar vein, which is the spread of freelance work across across all industries. 
Right. And I guess if we were to say, like in, in the US, over 75K, just for perspective, you're you're now in like middle class, like upper middle class. Like at that point, especially if you're like a, if you're living in like the Midwest and in some smaller markets, that's like pretty good money. So I guess if we were to transfer this trend globally, whatever that may be in your local currency, this is still like basically people are making a pretty good living now off of freelancing. It's kind of like the, the, the trend. It may not be the exact same number across different countries, but it's essentially a viable way to make money. And then to uh, your point about the fact that it's growing, it basically means you're not alone anymore, which I guess also means there's a lot of opportunities for us, right? In banding together and finding frameworks to where we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the major things we do at Freelancers Union is we bring freelancers who are often working alone, um, sometimes working at home physically alone during the day into a community, both locally um, and, you know, and on a national scale. And that community is really important for freelancers in terms of having resources, having, um, you know, people to bounce ideas off of and troubleshoot. And also just, you know, for your mental well-being, it's not it's not good to be working alone and having to figure everything else out on your own. I'd say the other thing that we see now that freelancing has become so mainstream is that there's a lot more services available to help freelancers where there really weren't any before. You know, co-working spaces um, are now really abundant in most large and and, um, medium-sized cities, um, where that really wasn't the case just 10 years ago. Um, And there's a lot more financial tools, a lot more more private sector companies are realizing that freelancers need a lot of help managing their business and they're developing a lot of different services to support them. Before we continue with this episode, I wanted to quickly tell you a bit about Antco from Fiverr. It's software to run your business with everything from invoicing, payments, time tracking, task management, and even freelance contracts and proposals. Get started by visiting and.co. Now on to the episode. Right. Okay, this is great. So can you walk us a little bit through the different resources that are available for us in the Freelancers Union? Sure. Well, I'll start with one that we worked on with uh, Andco, which we're very proud of, um, which is that we partnered with Andco uh, to create a freelance-friendly contract. So having a good contract is one of the foundations for earning income and protecting your work as a freelancer. Um, And so we really set out to have a template where a freelancer could really just customize it for the way they earn income and the way they want to structure their agreement and you know, sign it and rest assured that it was going to be provide the basic protections for their work. Um, you know, clearly freelancers will often work with a number of different contracts. This is just meant to be a basic template. Um, but we have a lot of those types of resources on our website. So tools to help you get started, resources to help you understand uh, what type of insurance you need. Freelancers offers uh, health, dental, life, disability, liability, and retirement. Um, and then we offer a lot of educational resources. So, you know, how should I, should I incorporate my business? How should I market myself? Um, we offer workshops every month on things like those questions, branding. Um, so we're really here to help people get started as a freelancer. And you can find the contract that Caitlin is referring to on and.co slash the dash freelance dash contract. And it is a free service agreement. So you can kind of set yourself up for success, like Caitlin was saying, with a basic template to 
protect yourself at just a really high level. I mean, this is something that is really, really impacting a lot of freelancers. Caitlin, do you remember the number? I think it's something like, uh, Freelancers Union did a study, I think it was something like 75% of freelancers had reported that they hadn't been paid on time for at least one contract, right? For at least one gig. Yeah, it was I mean, just it's well over that, half. but not much. It was uh, 71% of freelancers had had a trouble getting paid, whether that meant they were either paid late, paid only a partial payment, or just flat out stiffed. Um, so we found freelancers on average were losing $6,000 annually due to non-payment. Um, and that was, we looked across industries and whether you work in construction, marketing, healthcare, graphic design, this is a big problem. Um, and it's one of the top problems that we've set out to solve for our members. Um, we uh, ran a policy campaign and got the laws passed in New York City, um, which now say that if you're hiring a freelancer, you have to have a contract and you have to pay your freelancer within 30 days or otherwise you face a lot of new penalties. Um, and we're really hoping that's a model legislation that will be picked up um, by other states and cities that have a lot of freelancers. Um, but the, the non-payment issue is really, really a huge one. And, you know, when you're already having unpredictable income, it makes it a lot harder to save and to plan um, when you're not sure when your paycheck's coming. Right. Okay, so a contract like this might be best served if, let's say, you met your client on... Craigslist, or it was like a word of mouth referral, or maybe through social media, it was an inbound lead, or someone referred you to a client. They were like, they tagged you on a post, or maybe even on like Angel List or something like that. But what happens, Caitlin, if the if once you sign the contract with a client, they typically also have their own contract that they want you to sign. You know, it's like here's our NDA, here's our like I don't know, like they have a scope of work. Do you? recommend that freelancers also show up with the freelance contract created by ENCO and the freelancers union? Or like, is this a replacement of contracts that your client might have in place? Or would this be an addition to the contracts they have in place? Even if they're already covering some payment terms, you want to show up with your own contract? What do you recommend there? I always recommend to freelancers that they have their own contract. And, you know, whether that's our contract template or one that's, you know, more tailored to the way that they're working, um, you're always going to be on a better playing ground for yourself if you're starting with your agreement. Um, right. And, you know, our research shows that only about 23% of freelancers say they always use a contract. So a lot of this work is happening either by verbal agreement, um, by confirming something in an email, you know, do, can that suffice in court as as a written agreement? Yes, it can, but... You don't want to end up there. Um, and one of the sad parts we found in looking into a lot of these payment issues is a lot of them happen not from, you know, someone that you found randomly on the internet, but many freelancers are finding work through their friends and their personal connections. And it can be really sad uh, when that's happening with, with someone that you, that you know and, and consider a friend. So I would say always bring your own contract. Um, and always make sure that, you know, you are taking yourself seriously as a professional. Um, and so don't accept just, you know, oh, well, we'll just, you know, use our word because that's the way that, you know, it really protects both parties to have a contract. It clarifies your expectations, the clients, 
Um, and they, you know, they may have other things for you to sign, like a confidentiality and NDA. Um, you know, review those really carefully. Take time to read them and think through the scenarios that they might pertain to to the best of your ability. Um, I know hiring a lawyer can be quite expensive for reviewing those contracts, but but try to really think through those documents as you receive them. I feel like this really addresses the kind of your self-awareness into where you want to go as a professional. Like you can't on the one hand say that you want to be a six-figure freelancer making over $100,000 a year and then on the other hand to be closing deals with like PayPal, Venmo and email like verbal agreements. So if you do take yourself seriously as you're going through this audio course and you actually have uh, you know, declared over your career, like you're set the direction forth that you want to make $150,000 a year. This is a step in the right direction to say, I'm going to take myself seriously. I'm doing contracts from now on. I'm showing up with my own contracts to every relationship and I'm making sure that I stick to the budget and the, and the deadline. Do you find, Caitlin, that the, just by sake of having the contract, it actually increases the I guess, probability that a client will pay on time? Is it just a matter of because they signed it, then they typically tend to stick with it better? Or do we actually need to get literate about how do we actually enforce the contract? Like, it'll probably still get violated, so we need to understand how to protect ourselves there. Yeah, and and I would say, just to build on, on your comment, like, you know, we think about the way our website looks and, and, you know, how we pitch. We think about how we physically look when we show up to meetings like your contract, your invoices. These are all an extension of your brand, um, your proposals. You want to make sure they're really buttoned up um, because it's ultimately going to lead to to bigger deals for you. Um, and it's going to lead to you being taken more seriously by your clients. Um, and so never be afraid to be assertive. Um, and to really put your most polished professional foot forward when it comes to those things. Although you can certainly use Venmo to accept payment if it's more convenient. <laughs> or Anco. Precisely. To the point of enforcing it, like, do you find that them just, write, just signing the contract, they'll actually follow through with it? Or do we actually need to get literate about how do we actually enforce it? Yeah, well, there's a few issues that happen. Um, one of them is, yeah, you might be dealing with a client that's not prioritizing paying you on time. And that can be really hard. You can, you know, there's things that you can put into your contract to help mitigate those risks. One of them is negotiating getting some money paid up front um, as much as possible, actually. If you're, you know, even if you're working on an hourly basis, you could negotiate some, some set of money to get you started. Um, you know, the other one is you can put in late payment fees, you can put in kill fees at different milestones if the project seems to be stalled out. But you have to think through how you're structuring the payment so that you're not doing a month's worth of work and then you hand in an invoice and you're just sitting there waiting, right? You yeah. know, wondering when you're going to get paid in full for the work that you've done. Um, so that's one of the, the ways the contract can help make sure you get paid um, more quickly. And the tool that Enco has created around this, this is just a perfect setup for it, is and.co forward slash Williams dash Herricks. So the tool is Williams and Herricks, and it makes sure that Enco will send a letter, an actual physical letter will get shipped to your client, telling them and reminding them to pay your outstanding invoice. So this is basically 
created in a way that looks as if you had a law firm send it out, though it doesn't actually say like, hey, this is a law firm, but it's just a very professional physical letter that gets sent out to them. And you can pick kind of different tones that you want for it, whether it's very urgent or just, you know, just reminding them. And you can do that through Williams and Herricks. Or of course, you can avoid all of this altogether by, first of all, obviously having the contract. And then secondly, using Antco to send the automatic reminders. So people actually make sure to pay you on time and let the platform be the bad guy for you, which not to give Antco too big of a shout out here, but it actually is very, very relevant to this point of how do you actually make sure you're getting paid on time. One nice thing about automating those types of services is that you can also just maintain your existing conversational relationship with your client while someone else is doing the dirty work of following up on payment so that you don't have to. That's so true. And so that that's another a nice piece about that. <laughs> oh, I have definitely like gotten perfection paralysis before on follow-up emails because I'm wondering if the tone, because I actually am frustrated and I'm wondering if the tone, you know, can like be read through the email because I'm actually like, hey, you know, it's like a week late or two weeks and I'm really trying to tone it down. And this, because it's on autopilot, then the client is going to get the reminder anyways. So it's not even like, like you were saying, it's not even harming the relationship of it coming directly from you. You can just say, oh, hey, it was the platform that was sending you the seven day notice, the 14 day notice. One way, one other connection I think that's really clear between, you know, having a good contract and earning more income is really around your project scoping and letting your setting up a contract with the client be an entry point to really hone in on the project, the work you're doing, the value you're providing for the, you know, rate that you're proposing and specifically what's going to be included in that and what isn't. You know, it's really hard. It comes to mind an example of a member who, you know, was doing these flat fee uh, websites, you know, where they had negotiated an agreement where, you know, the developer is getting paid upon delivery of website. Well, there was no discussion about maintenance. There was no discussion about if the client had a number of different revisions. So you can end up looking at a proposal at face value and thinking, wow, this is going to be a great... um, a great project for me that's actually going to turn out to be something that you're losing money on based on the amount of work that you could end up putting into it. And so going back to the contract is a great technique to use with a client who's suddenly asking for all the stuff that's out of scope and saying the work we've already agreed on. One of the most successful six-figure freelancers that I've worked with pulled, like physically pulled out the contract in every single meeting and just kind of had it there. And no matter what like anything that was talked about, she would just kind of like point at it. And I, I mean, it was weird, like in the first, you know, first or second meeting. After like the third or fourth time, it was really cool because it really kept the project ticking like a clock. Like it was so simple to look at it and it was just a success checklist. It was very simple, green light or red light. Like, are we on track with this feature? Yes or no. Are we on track with this promise? Yes or no. Are we on track with this promise? And the other thing that I thought she did was really smart is she actually had prices for the most commonly requested like additional services. So she could just, um, like you were saying, basically upsell you into it. Like I'd be happy to do it. It's not no, it's uh, yes, of course, like, and it costs this amount because she was just prepared. She knew that people wanted, like, in that case, it could be maintenance or SEO or additional revisions. Sure, it's $297 for each additional revision, as you can see on this, like, um, menu of services or however it's presented. But it's kind of ha- like being smarter than the problems that are for sure going to be 
coming your way, especially as we start scaling our businesses and having answers for those moving forward. Caitlin, is there another resource that you can point us to in freelancersunion.com or should I just be shouting out the homepage directly? Sure. Well, if you visit the homepage, um, you know, one of the things that we have that's a great resource for freelancers who, you know, are either starting out or just want to build their network is we have these monthly member meetups that are now in 30 cities across the U.S. called Spark. And they're free to attend. They're organized by other freelancers who are um, volunteers who are more seasoned freelancers. Um, It's the first Wednesday of every month. And they're always around topics uh, related to the nuts and bolts of growing your business, earning more income, Um, uh, you know, around how to brand your work, how to market yourself, how to manage your finances, these sorts of things. It's called Spark. If you go to freelancersunion.org slash spark. Uh, you can find a listing of all the events. Um, and it's a great way to just meet other people. It's it's a, a cooperative environment where you can, you know, bring your true self and all of your questions, anxieties, and things you're proud of uh, and share them with other people that are going through all the same things. Excellent. There you have it, freelance masterminds. Whether you're reading the number one blog for freelancers on freelancersunion.org or checking out the tax and insurance guides that have been shared publicly here or you're attending the Spark events in 30 cities across the US, Freelancers Union is a great resource for you to get plugged in into the community and realize that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's tons of people and there's tons of resources available for you as our industry keeps growing. We also talked about that Andco website and the resources we've shared there, such as the freelancer contract and the Williams and Herrick invoice reminder to make sure that you're getting paid on time. Okay, freelance masterminds, do not forget to pick up your digital resources from this episode. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, visit and.co slash resources. Subscribe on iTunes and then visit and dot co slash resources to get your digital goods. See you on the next one. Caitlin, as you continue to grow and take your business forward, where's the best place for people to stay in touch with you and everything that you're doing? Sure. Well, you should follow Freelancers Union, uh, Freelancers U on Twitter and Freelancers Union on Facebook and become a member because joining is free and you just have to Sign up and it's open to all comers. So you can uh, join at freelancersunion.org. Excellent. Caitlin, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Thanks.